वेलकम एवरी वन टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ थॉटफुल थर्सडेज नाउ वी हैव चेंज द फॉर्मेट ऑफ थॉटफुल थर्सडेज लिटल बेट नाउ फॉर दिस एपिसोड स्पेसिफिकली वॉट हैव डन एंड एंड फॉर द फॉलोइंग एपिसोड इज वेल आई हैव जस्ट gotten together with my friend Shrivats you might know him from the episode we did together about his career cast a podcast where he narrates stories of different people who have taken different career paths now apart from narrating these stories one thing that we have in common is we both love writing and we both are really fond of content writing and Shrivats uh, if you might remember from the previous episode has been a journalist for over 4 years and has written over 400 articles so he knows a thing about two Uh, about writing well so 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 thoughtful thursday is going forward is just going to be you know i looking at these different writing trends that have come about or writing trends that have developed and then trying to understand you know what is it that we can learn uh, in our own writing and what is it that we can implement in our own writing to make it a little better to make it to make it sound good or to make it read well so welcome to thoughtful thursdays shrivats Uh, how are you feeling hey harshit thank you uh, i'm feeling excited definitely about doing this and uh, certainly i think there's a lot to do with the fact that this is very very near and dear to my heart uh, as you mentioned rightly content is something that we're both passionate about and although that's not what i am doing right now i obviously love to fall back on writing and content and i feel like this is a very important thing to discuss because there's a lot of these ideas you will never learn in a university no matter what kind of university you go to you could go to a cambridge and oxford but these are things that are industry trends that happen in a span of weeks and months and they're so quick and it's really important that we learn and adapt to them on the go and that's where i feel like doing something like this working through this podcast is a fantastic way to expose people to that quick uh, nature of changing yeah. world and i think it's also important because many people don't understand how important good writing is so regardless of what you do even if you are it doesn't matter which profession you are in right writing is extremely important you we all know how annoying it is as some coworker sends us a poorly written email even if it's something it's that simple um writing is key and write, writing a good good writing skills take you take you a long way regardless of the career that you are in but coming to the subject of this particular podcast so this podcast we are going to be talking about literary journalism now this is um this is something it's it's also called narrative journalism now i'll be referring to it as narrative journalism because as you can see i can't pronounce literary journalism very well um so narrative journalism is a trend that actually started in the 1960s and it actually grew um exponentially during that particular time uh, because social realism as a as a as a, as a trend that happened in fictional writing was actually dying down people were not reading social realism that much uh, because most of the social re- realism were talking about the negative things and people were you know sick of uh, you know mm. reading about what's wrong with this world so to counter this um literary journalism is something that came about and and literary journalism is something quite interesting and we are fortunate enough that we learnt it um together so i will just let shrivats tell you what literary journalism is because he is the journalist amongst us so <laughs> shrivats why don't you tell us what is literary journalism and how is it different from normal journalism that we do right Uh, okay to start off with i think i'd like to just go back to your reference about narrative journalism and it's not just easier to pronounce but to me personally i think narrative journalism is something that makes more sense as a term because when you say literary journalism 
at the outset anyone would think oh, it's got something to do with literature it's got something to do with fiction when in reality that's not the case literary journalism is exactly what narrative journalism the word you think what it means that's what literary journalism is it's telling a story but it's not telling a fictional story it's telling a real story uh, so that's the first thing that we should people should know about literary journalism it's that you're going in depth and telling a story in the nuances of the story now these days you have in shorts or you read the news on twitter you get a quick gist of what's happening but they don't give you the depths they don't give you the nuance of what's happening why it's happening who's causing these things to happen and that is where this idea of narrative journalism comes it really really gets into the depths of the you know story and the topic and gives you an understanding from multiple perspectives you don't just read about something from one perspective or one person's viewpoint now to just make it easier for everyone let's talk about the current situation in ukraine right uh, when the war first broke out we saw a lot of journalists who there on the ground reporting they embedded themselves in the ukrainian army uh, that is a form of narrative journalism because you know they were there on the ground they were telling you this is what's happening in real time and they weren't just telling you this is happening from the ukrainian army's perspective but they went out they talked to the citizens who were directly affected by the war and i think in the early days of the conflict russia was also putting out some information uh, that you were still able to look at and critically think about so you had all these perspectives coming in and you had these beautiful stories i think one that really stayed with me was uh, the bucha massacre when ukraine liberated the city of bucha and i remember how you know zelensky went into the city and how these journalists followed him and the stories of the bodies being found on the streets and you know the destruction that the russians had left behind that is narrative journalism at its finest now it's not something pleasing to read about it's definitely something that makes you curl in disgust but that is the reality of the world we live in and i think the guardian really really covered the bucha massacre well uh, so i would definitely recommend people go and look at that just to get an understanding of really good narrative journalism at its yeah, finest and 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 i i mean i really like how you brought the ukraine massacre because the the time when i was um, exposed to um, literary journalism or narrative journalism is by this book called um, it's by philip gorovich it, it is called uh, we wish to inform you that tomorrow we'll be killed with our families so it's a it's a narrative journalism piece it's an entire book which talks about the rwandan crisis and 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 it's very interesting that you told me that you know um um the 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 journalist followed zelensky into bucha uh, and that's one critical element um of literary journalism is you know in literary journalism the person who's writing it he puts himself or herself in first person and narrates the story like he or she experienced it right so that's one uh, one major uh, critical aspect of literary journalism where the person who's narrating it is a character in the story he's saying uh, or she's saying which makes it a little more a uh, little more enticing for the readers but apart from that what are, what are the key tenets of literary journalism of course first person narrative is one but what are the different sort of um, sorts of um, tenets that we uh, that that you have observed from the different literary pieces that you have read okay so i think the first thing is the agenda is not so obvious and i think this has to be said because it's an unspoken truth but there's a big agenda with the media today right you've got the media either extreme left or extreme right there are very few organizations that are in the center that report fact as fact is so with literary journalism it's one of the few areas of journalism where this is not the case because you are reporting fact you're going there you're in the presence of what's happening and you're telling people this is what i see around me and you tell the little things you know 
the sounds that you hear the smell of what you can see around you these are emotions and feelings that cannot otherwise be captured and sometimes the best writers can do it in just writing right if again if we go back to bucha for example uh, i remember one vox article about it if i'm not wrong i think it was vox but you know they talked about the smell of burnt bodies that was still very much visible when ukraine had liberated the city and you know how they could smell the bombs that were still there that had just been dropped right and the gunfire you could hear the sound still in parts of the city so they really really break down these little little things that make a person feel like they're there themselves that is the important thing about literary journalism one is that you focus on the little things not just the big picture then the second tenant is obviously to have a personal take on it as well and when i say personal i mean personal to the person on the ground now if someone who's a veteran of the iraq war you know the gulf wars afghanistan was to go into ukraine the bodies and the smell would something that they would probably be so used to they wouldn't give it a second thought but someone going for the first time there obviously they're going to be nauseated and repulsed by what they're seeing and hearing and you're able to tell that in their writing so that is something you will definitely good uh, narrative journalism does it informs you about the person who's telling the story as well not directly but in subtle ways through the way they phrase things uh, so that's one other important thing and i think the final thing i would say is focusing on the perspective and the situation like like i said i go back to ukraine because it's the easiest thing to understand right journalists who are there they talked about you know it was not just what the army was facing the challenges that they had they talked to zelensky and you know what the government is facing how they're responding to these crises then obviously the people on the ground the people who refused to leave their homes despite the bombs and the gunfire and the threats that they were facing you talk to these people you understand their mindset you understand their emotions and their feelings as well you capture all these multiple perspectives and that's the important thing to do with literary journalism it's to ensure that every perspective as much as possible is captured now now this is this is interesting right capturing multiple perspectives talking to everyone you know um, narrate i mean talking about the minute details now these are things that we are anyways taught uh, in journalism school you know we are always said you know be objective go go and search for all of the perspectives and things like that but how how was how is literary journalism different from the normal journalism that you see i mean you you said that these are the same things right but uh, a normal journalist is expected to do all of these things a journalist who doesn't write narrative journalism is expected to take multiple perspectives but but how is it different um, what, what what do these people do differently uh, that that other journalists don't okay so there's two bits to that the first is and i think this is the most important thing is the fact that the length it's more long literary journalism is always long form journalism like i said you know it's not stuff you read about on in shorts or in one tweet or one facebook post this is something that can go up to 4 5000 pages sorry 4 5000 words at a time and if you're reading it in like a time magazine it, it's a four or five page article in some situations right that's the important thing because when you give yourself the time and space then only you can cover everything adequately obviously there's still a lot of editing that you do there are still things that you want to take out uh, but at the end of the day you ensure that the story has the amount of space that it needs with literary journalism right in a lot of other places especially if you're working for newspapers you tend to be given like okay you have three columns you have this many words do your story in that words so there you're writing for the space you're not writing for the story whereas with literary journalism you're writing for the story the space you then find a way to make it work later always but you don't put that in your mind when you're doing the story itself that's the first thing and then the second thing i think uh would be the fact that 
literary journalism tends to be a story in a, in the way it is told now when you do another any normal news story you have the 5w's 1h and you have the inverted funnel right where you say the most important things come at the top and you know as you go down lower down the article you go then you find less information it's usually information that's added there because there's space whereas with narrative journalism that is not the case every sentence every paragraph has purpose in narrative journalism there's no inverted funnel here at all right you're telling the story in a sequential manner or it can be non sequential as well but the fact is every single line or every single paragraph you write has a purpose it has a duty to inform the reader about what's happening and it does that without bias about you know at the top i'll give the most important at the bottom i'll give the less important it doesn't work that way what good literary journalism does is it tells you okay i landed here on this date this is the first thing that i saw now that's not essentially the most important thing but it tells you it takes you in a narrative sequence it's like reading a good book that's exactly what literary journalism does you know and that's why again this word literary comes there for that exact reason because you write it like you're writing a story or a book where you have things in a sequential manner now that's very interesting because i think uh, this is why um, narrative journalism pieces are more um, you know the, the recall for this is higher than normal pieces right if you you i mean most of us read the newspaper every day there are about let's say on a day you read 100 articles if you read the news let's say if you even if you read two or three newspapers there are about 100 articles that you read but how many of them do you remember and this is very interesting is when when i asked this question um to one of my coworkers is when which was the last article news article um that you remember reading and the news article that they said and this is very recent they said that the news article that i remember reading is the news article of how migrant workers were migrating back to their homes during the pandemic and this happened like a year and a half ago and and that was a form of literary journalism it was this indian journalist i forget his name he wrote a, he wrote a piece piece for the new yorker um and and it was a long form journalism which actually narrated his story of experiencing and seeing um these people going back home so i think when it comes to recall um literary journalism just beats every other article there is and i think this is why it is important for us to understand um you know the nuances that go into narrative journalism so that if we have to convert it into storytelling for corporates or brands there's something that we need to uh, we need to think about and i and i think why literary journalism works so well and why the recall for it is higher is um is because If, if even if you see psychological theories if if you read thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman he has um he 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 divides your brain into two right the one part of your brain which does 95% of the thinking is does the associative thinking um this this is this is the brain that has the mindset um that has been framed by the narrative that you have consumed before in your life and it has made certain associations and you have a particular world view and whenever you come across any new information you compare it to uh the world view that you already have and then you make assumptions and then you move on and have a course of action so that's the 95% of your brain that does your thinking so for example if you're driving a car if you see a red light you know that red light means stop so you stop so that's the 95% of the part the 5% of the part 5% of your brain is the one that does you know real logical thinking if it if if it gets some sort of information that is completely different from your world view um that's the brain that tries to process mm-hmm. it and tries to con- and, and it tries to relate it back um to the associations that you have already made now the power of literary journalism is this number 1 it provides you a perspective that is so different that it forces you to think 
it it activates that 5% of your brain now now if you if you read an article and the first paragraph literally says that i could smell the dead bodies i could smell the burnt dead bodies now that's an imagery that you can't forget now that's some new information that you have gotten you might have heard about ukraine war about how russia is invading and all of that but you have not heard about you know bodies burning and people smelling them right so that brings in new information and when that brings in new information what that happens is you start associating it with the world view that you have with the 95% of your brain and when you're doing that and when you're reading that piece that piece starts challenging that 95% of your world view as well and then you know it has the tendency mm-hmm. to change the way um, you view the world and in corporate in corporate communications a, a version of it has already been created in some form or another um, and it is called uh, it is called asset framing uh, asset framing model of storytelling right, right? now if you see uh, and this was and this was um, particularly for developmental uh, sector this was created for the developmental sector but i think every other um, you know corporate communic- every other brand can use asset framing uh, for example so asset framing has a simple tenant right if you if you look at the mission statement mm-hmm. of any developmental sector company um, or developmental uh, foundation it talks about deficit first it talks about um what is not there in society which they're trying to fill up let's say if you you might have heard mission yeah. statements about providing food to the malnourished right that's their mission statement now this is deficit framing because they go with the assumption that you know malnutrition is a problem and malnutrition is a fact and they we are trying to solve it mm-hmm. now the problem with this is you build a narrative that you know whoever you're going to help is malnourished and that that is the deficit that they have and uh, they have a clear need for help asset framing on the other hand it switches it 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 focuses on the asset first so let's say if you're talking about providing education to the underprivileged that is deficit framing if you convert it into asset framing it is yeah. helping uh, helping children with potential thrive more right so that's asset framing now that mm. makes your purpose completely different it makes your purpose not to bridge the deficit because if you bridge the deficit after you bridge the deficit it's that's it right asset framing goes beyond you know that there is potential and from that potential it just goes it just goes beyond so it's an endless mission that you keep working on okay if a, if a child who has no, yeah also no sorry, worries, i just yeah. want to cut in a very interesting thing that you just mentioned now it also gives look at it this way when you do deficit framing it's more yeah. of a top down approach you say i identify the problem i am the solution so i will go do it whereas with asset framing you kind of saying okay i have this i have noticed that there is you know someone at a higher level who has the ability to reach the higher level and i want to help them get to the higher level so it's more of a bottom to top approach i think that's a very yeah. interesting way to look at it and definitely asset framing makes more sense for corporates because then you don't uh, you know you don't seem like a big brother you don't seem like oh i have this money so i'm going to do this because i can you see it more like i want to be meaningful part of society this is how i can do it it gives yeah, me a positive that's a very spin. interesting that's a very interesting take um, that you have over there and i completely agree with you but but now that we know that this is what literary journalism is and we know you know asset framing is something that has happened which is which i believe is an offshoot of literary journalism Th- there might be multiple debates against it but if you had to boil it down right if you had to boil it down to talk about how would you make it how would you implement this into your own writing whether you're writing it writing for corporates or whether you're writing for yourself 
how would what are the key things that you would bring in if you if you had to have five steps or any you know five learnings that you had from literary journalism that you can implement mm-hmm. in your writing what would those be i'll just let you talk about it and then i have a few thoughts i'll just jump in there Sure. I think the first thing for me would be to get personal and get familiar mm-hmm. with the situation and the subject. Now, to be a writer, you don't have to be personal with what you're writing about. And that's why you have journalists who one day will write about the Ukraine war, the next day mm-hmm. go write about Ronaldo and how he missed one training session. You don't, There's nothing, you're not personally invested in any of those topics, but you're doing it because it's your job. And that's fine if you want to be a decent writer. But if you want to be a good writer, you need to be personally invested mm-hmm. in what you're writing about. So I would say that's the first thing you need to do. Do your homework, do your research, understand what you're going to write about, understand the subject, but as much as possible, go to the source. So in this case, if you're talking about corporate communication, right? If you're going to talk about, okay, we're helping underprivileged children reach their potential, go to the school where those kids are. Spend a day with those kids because that's when you'll understand the impact of what you're having. And again, I relate to this a lot because... One summer, I spent two weeks in a government school in Andhra Pradesh. And I ran a summer, I was doing a summer camp for the kids there. Right? It was a government school. Clearly, they didn't have constant electricity, whatever. So we had to improvise and we had to do, I had to teach kids, I think in 6th, 7th and 8th grade about journalism. Right? Without much electricity, uh, you know, we had in the peak of summer. So, you know, because I was there with those kids, it completely transformed the way I thought about what I was teaching them. We had a pre-camp before that where we were like, okay, how are you going to teach these kids? What's your plan of action? And in my head, I'm like, okay, I know what I have to do. But when I went there, it completely flipped because then I had to, first of all, I understood what those kids' capacities was for understanding what journalism is. But also, you know, how can you make use of the environment around you to teach these kids that? So it's important that you get personally invested and be at the location as much as possible. That's the first thing. Then the second thing I would be tell people to do is do your homework, man. Just do your homework. Because a lot of people come with preconceived notions. And again, going back to my own example, right? I had these preconceived notions that, okay, these kids are going to be smart. They'll understand what I say. That was not the case. And if I had spent some time in learning about, you know, what kind of education they receive, what the situation is like in the government school, I think I would have been better prepared to do what I did. So that's again very important, you know, make sure you do your homework and a lot of times it just comes from reading good work, right? In, in a lot of ways, when you look at uh, research work, you're usually standing on what other people have said. You're standing on their shoulders and contributing a little bit, right? In, in, in a lot of ways, writing is the same thing. Stand on what other people have written, you know, and then just add your bit, add your perspective to that. But make sure you first go back and read what those other people have written about so that you can stand on their shoulders, so that's an important thing to do as well. And I think the third and final thing I would say would be always try and approach it with a personalized uh, you know, view of the world. So good thing about literary journalism is, like I said, it's about someone who's been there and how they experience it. So make sure that you're adding your experiences and a bit of your bias as well, which I know might sound counterintuitive, especially for journalism, but that's what makes good narrative journalism. It's when you say that, okay, I have seen something like this before, but to see it here in Ukraine was something completely different. Then you give your readers a sense of that, okay, things can get really bad, but then things can get so much worse as well. And that helps them understand the depth of the situation and it helps them understand the seriousness and the importance of what you're talking about, what you're writing about. So it's important that you add a bit of personal bias to your writing 
and you need to inform the reader that you know i have seen this before so you need to give them a sense of where you come from and when you do that then you had your personal bias to the story i think then you will give everyone a very very solid impact on your writing whether you're writing something for copcom or you're writing something for journalism or you're writing a story you narrate a, a book right either way when you have when people know your what your personality is who you are and what you're experiencing then they'll definitely you will leave a bigger impact on the yeah people. and i and what you said is extremely um, interesting and i'm and i'm reminded of um, um this person that i um, that i had the opportunity of meeting and also working with a little bit um his name is his name is sandeep bhatia uh, you might have seen him uh, he used to work for scoop whoop and now he has um, started something of his own and he 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 did he did this uh, thing very interestingly like you said right you said in the beginning that you go with a clean slate and then you said bring in your own opinion now he used to do it um extremely differently now he what he used to do is um you know he used to cover these extremely important events so for example he covered um if you might um remember during the second wave of the pandemic we heard a lot about um you know dead bodies going through the uh, mm. yamuna river from up and things like that right so what he did is he went on yeah. the ground and his initial part of his um reportage was very objective he went there with the mindset that he doesn't know anything right he talked to people some people and and he has captured some people saying that this is not a problem he has captured video shots of you know these you know these huge cremation mm. grounds and he has given an objective picture but at the end of it he has his own opinion you know he 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 visits there and because he is there he has the authority to talk about what's happening and that's where he brings in his personal experience so the entire piece that he has um, that he has um, created is extremely engaging because he goes there with no um you know set notion or no set assumptions right because that issue was extremely controversial at that time, at that point and because it's a political issue yeah. there were two sides to it but he went there very objectively and then at the end he he built the authority enough to comment on that issue from his own perspective so that was something very interesting uh, um that that i could think of but if you were to ask me how to implement it in copcom because we we do this on a daily basis right so i think the first and the foremost thing that we have to do is to find the lead and i have talked about this before as well mm. you know in journalism you know what the lead is right you whenever a journalist um interviews someone yeah. or he experience or she experiences something they try to find the lead a lead is basically reading between the lines trying to understand um what is not being said and that comes from your first point you know doing your homework and knowing the detail really well and then summarizing that lead into your first paragraph if your first paragraph doesn't sh- doesn't read like a bloody novel then nobody will read the rest of the article so find your lead and you know summate it into the first paragraph so that's that's i think would be the first bit of it second bit of it is in corp, uh, corporate communications most of the times you're writing for someone else so you can't bring in a personal perspective and i think during this time it helps if you know the person who you're writing things for so for example if you're writing for a c yeah you have to bring in their yeah. perspective so you exactly. can you can sit in your office and write for a ceo all you want but it might not sound like the ceo so it's important for you to have a call with the ceo go meet the ceo to understand how he or she speaks um what is it that they are passionate about and then have a deep understanding about them and then use that understanding to write from their perspective write a first hand view right so that's yeah yeah at to this i also want to add one thing yeah. body language now obviously like 
were taught how the importance of body languages and i feel like it tells mm-hmm. you a lot about a person and that's again another thing i tell people you know go there be on the ground be with the person you're going to talk about or in this case if you're going to write from a ceo's perspective then you need to go and sit physically in the presence of the ceo and observe his body language because the hand gestures he uses the way he sits how he slouches how he holds his phone these are things that inform a lot about who he mm-hmm. is and where he's coming from that if you can translate into writing then it's as good as the ceo yeah. himself writing and i know it sounds very weird to say it out loud or you know something how the hell am i supposed to do that that's where yeah. experience comes in right you just have to keep doing it 20 30 times and then at some point yeah. you'll understand and i think that's what good writers do they take the time and time is the most important thing that we should yeah. be using but we're not everyone's in such a rush today to get things out on a deadline and deadlines are so unrealistic these days man it's sad that there's no personalization done you know spend 3 days with the ceo that you're going to write for and the amount you learn just by 3 mm-hmm. days of shadowing him will tell you so much more than you can do on a half an hour call with him and then you know, and i'm i'm very happy that you brought this point out because the third thing that i learned from um literary journalism and which we all need to uh, implement is empathize 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 you know have and the only way you can understand a ceo is to have empathy you know just you know just trying to understand mm. and trying to feel what they are feeling you know i i know i have i have been fortunate enough to meet ceos of certain startups and it is magnificent to see the amount of passion that they have for the things that they are doing and and that passion actually exudes um when you speak to them and that is the passion you need to go back to and and write that so so have empathy for the ceo in who, whose voice uh, that you are writing second have empathy for the readers who are going to read the the uh, the piece now this this goes against um, you know what narrative journalism is because narrative journalism just talks about the first person exp- uh, you know perspective and then um, puts yeah. that in a story but it is extremely important to have empathy with the reader as well so for example um, if 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 you do not have empathy for the reader you might go about go on blabbering um you know something you might write a thousand word piece with extremely difficult language which no one would care about but if you empathize with your reader if you empathize with your customers say for example or your employees um whoever your target audience is you will make sure that you write in such a way that you not only put your story across but make it more readable mm. and build more recall um for them so i think empathy becomes the third thing that i have learned from literary journalism now yeah uh, you you were going to say something yes shivat yeah yeah to that see i want to add like when it comes to copcom this is one of the reasons i really like apple right because when you look at apple um from the outside it's all the shiny golden glittering company that you think is like the best thing in the world and then you go work there and there are so many people who complain about working at apple uh, right but we just from what you said right it just reminded me now when apple introduced the apple watch and how they marketed these days like this device that can save your life it's not a medical device we don't promise it is but you know it's something that can save your life and they always bring out these narratives when they're talking about the apple watch about how this man had a heart attack and you know how the apple watch informed him that he was having heart attacks so he was able to get help or now with the apple watch ultra with they said oh this guy is lost in the middle of the desert and then he was able to call for help you know with the ultra wide band and whatever else the tech but that's having empathy for the reader you know and that's where steve jobs is a real master and i'm sorry but apple right now just does not compare to what steve was able to do but like the way jobs understood 
that people don't know what they want till you show it to them is so true in so many ways and i think that should be the kind of goal that everyone should have try to achieve with their writing right understand the ceo understand who you're writing for but at the same time you should be able to bring out if it's just one line or one perspective that can transform people's thoughts then your job is done and you don't need a 500 word or a thousand word article to do that if you can do it in one line then your job yeah, is done that that's a very beautiful uh, input that you had now now we have given, we have told our listeners what literary journalism is what are the key tenets and how they can implement it but i think it's um, we should we should also be fair to them and um, tell them where they should get started so from your um experience or from whatever you have read shivats if someone has to start off uh, with literary journalism and just to get a feel of it what are let's say two or mm-hmm. three books or articles that you would recommend for them to read okay so this is going to be a tough one because i think like the new yorker and the new york times are definitely the best but unfortunately they're behind paywall so it's not going to be very easy for everyone to access uh, so what i would just recommend is people go to vox.com now vox is without a doubt one of my favorite websites just because the journalism there is of the highest caliber and it is extremely good writing and wide range of topics so whether you're interested in tech in sport or in policy you will always find vox covering it and they're doing it in a manner that yeah after the guardian i think that's your uh, dream not, <laughs> dream company to work for <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly no without a doubt like the guardian yes has been for the longest time when it comes to british journalism like the guardian is up there as one of the best so yeah without a doubt go back to the guardian and always read the guardian but i would say vox is one of those uh, modern media companies that does it very well and if you're not someone who likes to sit and read a 3000 or 4000 word article go to vox on youtube vox.com has got a brilliant youtube channel where oh, they have yes. these explainer videos some are as short as 7 minutes the others can go up to 20 minutes but it is so well done and i think that is somewhere that people they started, really started the, they started the trend of explainer videos by the way and and uh, and one thing that i find extremely uh, interesting is their explainer videos became so popular now they have a series on netflix if i'm not wrong it's called vox yes. explains or something it's <laughs> they do, something yeah. like that yeah so you can watch it on netflix yes. as well yeah that's a very is, good yeah. that's a very good start for you for for all of our listeners uh, to get an understanding of what literary journalism means yeah any more suggestions that you might have shivats uh i think the final suggestion for me would mm-hmm. be johnny harris uh, so he was a former vox journalist who's now broken off and doing his own stuff if you're interested in geopolitics now his focus is entirely on geopolitics but if that's something of your interest i think johnny harris mm-hmm. is a great place to start because that is again literary journalism at one of its finest now yes there are some arguments about the quality of the work and the research he does and to be fair every journalist you can ask those questions but to me i would still say go back and look at what johnny does because he breaks down these insanely complex topics in very simple manners and goes into the kind of depth that you would otherwise not get in a lot of other places and it's on youtube it's free to access so you know it's easy for everyone to go and look at that and that's another thing i would definitely recommend yeah. people to go check if out. i had to recommend three books um say for instance then the first book of course would be we wish to inform you that tomorrow will be killed with our families now it's a it's a mouthful of a title but uh, i think it's one of, one of the best uh, literary journalism pieces that i have read it's it's a book by philip gorovich you can just get it off of um, amazon unfortunately it's not there in the stores because 
bookstores in india apparently sometimes don't have taste uh, so you can get it off of amazon um, it's a really good book the second book i would recommend is the caravan book of profiles now the caravan is is like the vox of india um, of course they don't have a youtube channel and they don't have um, all of the other stuff that vox does but their their profiling pieces is regarded as one of the best in the country and they go really in depth uh, to talk about the profiles of the people that um they write about so the caravan book of profiles is a really good um book for uh, anyone to read just to get an understanding of not about the pe- not only about the people who they have profiled but also about how literary journalism works and the third book is not actually written by a journalist um but it's written by um uh, it's it's actually written by a finance guy uh, it's called uh, democracy on the road um so uh, so so that's another book and that you can read but again there are multiple other books that you can read there is feast of vultures um which is another uh, really good book that you can read um there is uh, too big to fail which is written by a financial journalist in the states who has actually narrated how the 2008 financial crisis has happened so these are the books that i still remember reading because they read like magic right so so these are some recommendations from from my end so yeah i think that's about it so thank you everyone for you know just logging into this discussion of ours on literary journalism i hope you um felt or you got some value out of this episode and thank you very much shrivats for coming on to the show um and of course you would be you would be there every other week every week in fact um and uh, our listeners would get to listen to a little more of you as well so so thank you everyone for tuning in and um see you next week <laughs>